All right. How y'all doing? We're here with another beautiful episode of The Journey. Because everybody has a story. We are what we need. And we want to inspire and be inspired. It's all about the journey, man. So I got another brother on here this week. Glad to have him, man. I can't wait for y'all to hear what he got to say. So without no further ado, come on in, brother. Let him know who you are. But not, of course... The one journey thing. No, don't say your name. You can say yeah. where you're from, where you're born, all that good stuff. <laughs> but don't get your name just in case you don't want you incriminating yourself. Oh no, it's all good, man. I'm gonna keep it completely Clark Kent, baby. I got the I got my glasses right here, ready okay. for my full anonymity. Okay, <laughs> we good, we good, we, we ready. <laughs> hey, no, man, yo, I um, I'm from um, I'm a military brat, so the place that I call home is a place that I probably had the biggest life experience, and that's. A, a town called Clarksville in Tennessee is right. I was, I'm a military kid. I lived like a mile or so from one of the largest army bases, uh, Fort Campbell. So mm. that's pretty much where I'm from and where I'm at right now, uh, is Denver, Colorado. And then let me tell you, it's been a hell of a journey to end up here in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> hey, hey, man, I can't wait to hear it, brother. I can't wait to hear it. So maybe jump right into it. So matter of fact, we'll jump into where your journey started and how you ended up in Denver now. Like, you know, a quick overview of your time and okay. the, the weave you've lived through life so far. All right, so if, we, if we're going to do the cliff note version of it, uh, I started, I was a military kid, bounced around for a couple of different cities, uh, different bases within the U.S. I've lived in pretty much every major southern state, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, spent some time in Panama City, uh, mm. lived in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, Manhattan, Kansas, Clarksville, Tennessee, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, so, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's the military life, right? So right. Um, I, I went from there, had an amazing high school year, uh, went to college in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Morehouse. Second, second Morehouse, man, we got it on the show. Shout oh, out to oh, oh, we get around. I didn't know you had another one, but yeah, 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 yeah. we get around. Uh, bounced from Morehouse uh, in Atlanta, spent some good time in Atlanta, uh, jumped from there uh, to Los Angeles, California, uh, where there was a, a big creative part of my life that really like blossomed. Uh, and then uh, I had another huge life change. I became a father and ended up here. That's the that's the quick right cliff note version of, of, right, of well, how it went down i like it man it's, it's definitely intriguing i'm sure i'm i'm want to hear more i know the people out there want to hear more so let's get into your childhood years like well how was your childhood and and i want to add a caveat to that how was it your childhood years growing up as a black man in the south because you said a lot of places and they pretty much yeah. always in the south yeah yeah so in case you haven't noticed i don't really have a southern accent if i get faded you might hear a little bit of yeah. jump out. but for the most part i don't really have an accent um, and that's because of, you know, having a military background. So I had a really interesting childhood. If you're a military kid, you probably understand this, that we have a really, <laughs> we have a really keen way of, of knowing how to like assimilate, right? Because you have to, it's a, it's a, what's, what's it called? It's like a safety mechanism uh, right. in order for you to like get the ball moving quicker, you know, in, in society, you just have to know how to, you know, um, weave in and out of different cultures really, really easily. So right. even though I don't sound like I'm from the South, I had the Southern experience like through and through. Um, and it was, it was amazing. Um, but like I said, it was, it was different because I was a military kid and my pops was for real. He was, he was, he was no joke. Um, and he raised our family in that, in that same vein of, of what, he considers like the most life-changing event in his life is that you're joining the military changes life completely and if you're a person that has found success based off of 
off of a fundamental teaching, then you're going to use what works for you, right? Absolutely. So he he raised our family uh, in that same light, and it was um, it was challenging. I'll say yeah. I'll say that I'm I had sure. a, I had a lot of fun, but discipline was like number one. Um, no, no, I take that back. It shared a spot with education because my mom was a teacher. So oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So discipline and education, I was like literally like beat over the head with it, right. nonstop. But you know, you you're you're still a product of your environment, right? And even though it's a nature versus nurture kind of thing, um, so even though I was nurtured in a certain specific type of way, the nature of my environment had a really large effect on me as well. And that's like living in the South, right? You know, so you you see some things that that's just real. You know, there's some inequities. You know, it's just racism straight up. You know, right. it's right. a different it's a different type of thinking. You know, um, living in the Bible Belt is is very restrictive in certain things it, it, it has a certain type of thinking that goes along with it i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just different uh but it's a big part of the culture um and you know where where you are kind of can dictate your hustle based on you know how much money your family's making what economic situation you're living in you know you you could be living in uh you know in government housing uh, which is one way you could be living in public housing, which is a totally different way. Uh, you could be living off of a farm experience because, you know, a lot of folks that I knew and grew up with, you know, uh, live that farm life. You know, it's so it's it's I got a chance to see a lot of different ways to go about living life at a very early age. Right. That's and that's a what type of effect do you think that had on the rest of your life? Like moving forward with the discipline, the education and then the southern upbringing. How do you think that? affected you the rest of your life like i'm sure you took a lot of things with you but if you can oh, get a little yeah. more in depth with that oh yeah man it was uh it was positive and negative i don't think anyone lives in but i don't think anyone i good or bad thing happens in isolation typically you know you have a good thing but there's something that has to pay for that good thing you might have a bad thing but there's always an opposite right um, and my life with that was was that as well. Even with the discipline, it it served me really well because I could get things done. Um, I didn't get bogged down and caught in in drama and details because there was a task that needed to be done, and that's the goal, and that's that's what we're going to do. But in the same way, in the same token, uh, my father, who lived that lifestyle, um, he wasn't very like affectionate. Um, I I knew my dad's tone. He had like one tone, and that's let's get it done. Like right. my, mom, my mom probably saw a different side of him, obviously, because you can't really live like that and get a woman. But, you know, when it came to me, you know, it was um, very um, masculinity was a big thing. Huge, mm -hmm. huge. And even living in a, in a military town, even when I left my house, it was still that, you know. So when I came around people that didn't live that kind of lifestyle or or. It seemed it seemed a little bit odd. It seems stuff can seem like it was like out of control. I'm like, how can you live in a space where stuff is always out of control? Right. Um, but that that can have a negative effect. Like as a as an older man, I had difficulties like connecting like emotionally with whoever it was that I was talking with at that time. It's just just what it was. Right. Um, and me trying to overcome that now. Uh, as a father with 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 his own son, there's parts of my father's teaching on my father's son. So there's going to be parts of me that's just going to be ingrained. And it's just something I'm just going to have to fight with. So there is that, right? Uh, on the on the education side of everything, you know, obviously, you know, if you know more than the next person, you're going to have a better opportunity. And that's what education kind of provides for you. Right. But it can also give you a, a sense of arrogance that you have to fight. 
You know, you can't go around thinking that you're better than just because you had afforded a different opportunity or you read some damn book that doesn't define people. But right. if you if you're not willing to accept that you don't know everything, you have to accept that you don't know everything. You might know, might know a little bit, but there's things called uh, life experience and wisdom that you can't find in a book. You right. Know? And there's a different type of of intelligence there's emotional intelligence there's intelligence from living in your neighborhood or, or growing up on your corner there's intelligence from living in a household that, that i lived in that's not taught in a book so you can't you, you can take the blessings of certain things and then but you realize that there's always going to be a cost right and a lot of the, a lot of a big cost was the, some of the relationships that i had right and i think like i well i'll throw your age out there i believe you 45 yeah, yeah, man. Hey, I look good for 45. Yeah, you do. Brother. I wish y'all could see it, man. Like, I know the people like, man, he probably don't look good. Man, he gorgeous, man. They're like, get you some Denzel rolled up into one, man. But yo, so from being in that age bracket, like 45, I know my experience with my father was very similar. Like, my dad wasn't a military man, but he was very, affection was like something I didn't see. My dad yeah. didn't tell me he loved me till I was old. Like I, I was a full grown man, had my own kids, and he starts saying it all the time. I'm like, what's going on with you, man? So, do you think? What's your take on like the way we were raised in the early, like late seventies, early eighties, yep. to the way we raise our children? Like the change, because I know for me personally, there's it's been a huge ten, one hundred fold difference. Yeah. Where the things I didn't get from my dad. I make sure I give my kids and you know, it's been, it's been a good experience, but of course, you know, they're a little spoiled stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I don't being spoiled in our era. Wasn't as common. So I, I'm interested in your take on that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So like, like you said, child of the eighties, born in the seventies. Um, we grew up during, during when, when, what was it? Uh, just say no was the big thing. Yeah. Uh, when Reaganomics was in full swing, um, and then I also have to put in a more perspective of not just me growing up in the 70s and 80s and how I was raised. I have to put in perspective of my parents as well. You know, my parents grew up in, in, under Jim Crow South. You know, my mom went through segregation. My dad excelled in the military. That's a whole different conversation. But he excelled as someone that was drafted. You know, he went 1A. Um, mm. Saw, went, went to Nam and, and found his niche, right? So there's some cultural stuff that goes along on top of the time period that we grew up in during Reaganomics and, and crack academic and everything else that's going down. So the way that my parents raised me then is dramatically, you said like it was like a whole 180 kind of thing. And I kind of feel the same way. Like the stuff that my parents got, away, I'm, like, I'm not gonna say get away with, the stuff that my parents did wouldn't fly now. Right. For most parts. Right. Um, I mean, I was, I was, I was a child that took that that took some beatings. I mean, yeah. let me, let me, let me, even saying the word beating, it sounds bad. bad now. But you know, right. my pop, my pops was was not shy about the belt. He just, he just was. But that's just what it was. That's right. how he grew up with. Not saying my father was some child abuser. Wasn't that? That's just what it was. That was right. the language of how you 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 got stuff done and 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 disciplined sons at that time. Um, and like you said, it wasn't a lot of tee-hee, laughing, wasn't, I didn't have a whole lot of father-son time where we sat and talked. My father right. was one of them cats that he led by example. Like, you want right. to learn, and you're going to learn by watching me. And he was really big on shut your mouth when grown folks is around. So, and, so it's, 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 you can't really do that now in that same, but definitely not in the same way. Like, I talked to my son. We had conversations. I try to figure out you know, like what's going on in his head. I try to be be um, 
uh, always there and available whenever he needs me at any given time. My pops wasn't really like that. He's like, these are the tasks and the things I'm expecting from you. Right. And I expect these type of results. And if I don't get these results, then you're going to hear from me. That's right. You know? That's right. So my my dad ruled the house more. You know what is it? The, what is it, the 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 carrot and the rod? I think that's the the thing. Like if you're if you're trying to like train a horse, you can either give him the carrot and get him to come, or you can give him the rod and get him to go. Right. Well, my right. pops was more of the rod. Right. You know. And I think that's very similar for most people that grew up in our. In our age bracket, and that yeah. 45, you 45, 46 now, that's yeah. kind of what we're used to. And, you know, I know I took certain things from it, and it's when I knew when I had a child, I wanted to be a little different. Because I didn't, I, I didn't have a birds and the bees conversation. I didn't have right. a relationship right. conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah, son, like, you're not supposed to, don't do this, and you weren't going, you know, taking care of women's feelings, the people that you're in relationships with. The, any, oh, pretty much all your relationships other than your friends because I'm like my friends relationships they're very similar I was very comfortable in that being in a group full of men I'm fine I don't have no problems because you don't have to express yourself as much everything's funny it's always a joke <laughs> you know what I mean but once you're dealing with something real I didn't know how to express those feelings and I luckily I went I found that out through therapy and then my wife pretty much saying listen dude you, you got to get this together you got to go through this stuff you, you know and it took me a while because I was like, I wasn't used to that. And it was something that was totally different for me. So give me your, your perspective on that. Yeah, see, especially when it comes to like emotional intelligence, you know, mm -hmm. like we're saying there's different kinds of intelligence. And when it came to emotional intelligence, whatever the lowest grade you could possibly have <laughs> is what I was given. And right. not, not, not only not only was I given it, yo, I was I was happy to give it. Like right. I took pride in that, you know, that's right. Um, mm, but then say you that start... again. You took pride in it. Brother. Yeah, that's, like, a, that's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and I think that's because I was proud to be that way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But you know, you when you start losing people as a result of your own actions, and you have to own up to it. And, and if it happens enough, something will you know trigger and be like, okay, problem is me. Right. Right. And right. especially add to the fact we're in these changing times. Right. Like the world has changed drastically in the last 10 years, even oh. on a whole other level of changing in the last 20 years. Right. You no. Know, so what what worked back in, you know, 1998 when I was in college acting a damn fool, you know, in, <laughs> that, that, don't, that don't fly now. It don't, no. it don't fly now. So I have to realize that there's there's always going to be a part of you that's going to remain. Right. And there's a part of me of that old version of me that's still there. But I have to learn how to navigate it. Right. You know, I have to realize and recognize I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm being an asshole right now. I'm being a jerk. I could give more. I need to shut up and listen. I need to pay attention more and I check myself. And I love to tell y'all in the audience and be like, yo, once you figure it out, it just turns off. For me, it didn't. <laughs> that part of it is still, it's still in me. And I, it's a, it's a constant battle, you know, but, but I do make the effort. I do, right. I do put in the effort to right. try not to be that person all the time. And from my loved ones, I feel like the effort is is very important to them. Because, yeah. you know, they, they can feel, they can see it, they can feel it. And the effort is where it's at, man. As long as we're putting in the effort and we're aware, I think yeah. we could be, become better perversions of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, man. That that battle with yourself, boy. This Woo! That's that's the part of the journey that I'm kind of in now. 
you know, I'm trying to get to that to that higher part of what is it like, like enlightenment. I know you never reach it. I know you don't ever reach it, but it's the it's the striving for it that you're trying to you're trying to maintain. Because in the effort of trying, you end up making yourself better regardless, right? But yo, it could be it could be tech because I've I've lived the life, you know, and there's parts of me that don't die. You That's know, right. <laughs> you fight, you fight, you trying to kill him off. He like, nah, I ain't going nowhere, bro. Like, hey, what you, I don't care what you say. I'm like, bro, and it's a challenge that I think everybody goes through at some point in their life. And they should. Yeah. If they if they evolving and growing, I believe it's something that you should. You should go through it, and it's a good thing. You got to embrace it when you have it and when you're in that space. And I think, I don't know, a lot of people in that 42 to, because I'm right now, I'm 46. I'm like, that 42 to 46 have been heavy. Like, I've been going, because, you know, middle age, I don't know about you. I lost my dad in the last year. I lost my dad. I've been to 15, 16 funerals in the last two years. And, you know, that's the 40s. You know, the, the, the generation before you, they start, you know, they get to 65, 70. It's a roll of the dice then. Hopefully they they here, but if not, they not, you know, you gotta continue to live your life. But that finding yourself in the balance and all that is rough. But it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, like now I'm, I'm at the point in life where I'm like, I I appreciate everything. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, man. Dealing with dealing with loss is is a relatively well, I'm not gonna say it's new. It's just happening more as we get older, you know. Our peer groups are even starting to get, you know, starting to get touched. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely our elders, right? Our elders are definitely going by the wayside. And um, I heard a quote that stuck with me, and it said, um, "It said when an elder dies, it's like a library's been burned to the ground." Mm. And so now I'm like, "Damn, that's a lot of information." You just kind of like go up and smoke, per se, you know? Right. So now I'm trying to pay attention even more, I'm trying to reach out even more, I'm trying to get over petty squabbles or whatever it is that's going on with people that I really care and love about, especially now that they're getting older and also in our own peer group too as well, because I mean, life is happening and, right. and loss is happening as a result of that. And I don't would need that library information to, to go unrecognized. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's uncles and great aunties and grandmas and pops and all, all, the whole gambit. And they've got like these life experiences. That's just in them. And, and it's going to help define who they are to you and give you more clarity of who they are and why they make these decisions and do these things and stuff. But if you wait until that library burns down, it's, it's gone. That's right. That's right. And and it's that's that's right. I can't even speak no more because I'm making it more about me because I'm like, man, when my, my dad passed away, it was I was asking him questions for years. He never would tell me because I'm like, there's it some things that went on in his childhood where I'm like, man, that's it seems a little off. Like you didn't live with your mom and dad for like 10 years. Mm. What happened there? Never got that information. And I'm still wondering. And I'm right. still like, you. but it helped me understand, like you said, it helped me understand him a lot more. It's like, oh, okay, so, but moving on. Yeah. All right, so who in your life had the biggest influence? If you could name one or people that had a huge influence on your life, because I'm sure it's a million. All right, so listen, here's the, the, the easy answer, and this is the biggest influence, and I know this sounds like, you know, I'm beating the drum, but it was my pops. Yeah. Uh, my pops was like Superman to me. Um, like I said, he excelled really, really quickly in the military. He went from enlisting to becoming an officer by the time uh, he passed. Like, his, his resume is insane. Like, he, he went to jump school. He went to dive school. He went to ranger school. Um, he, he flew helicopters. Like, it, it's, 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 he's Superman to me. Right. Uh, but it's hard, you know, living in Superman's house. 
<laughs> it's hard. It's hard. When, when, when Mufasa know he Mufasa, right. you know, and I'm sitting here kicking it with Simone and Pumbaa, right? Uh, I, it, it was it was tough, but I, but I appreciate it. I wish I had pulled more out of that and understanding him when, when I was younger. But you know, it just is what it is. But outside of my father, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of greats. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Muhammad Ali. Um, it, I, I, a lot of mine deal with like a lot of my greats, people that I look up to. Um, deals a lot around sports because competition was a really big thing in my life really really right. big thing and sports was just just in, in general too i was a huge michael jordan fan i was a huge kareem abdul jabbar fan when when i learned that there was more to them than what they just did like more than than on the field right you know like i used to hear my pops talk about ali but it wasn't until like honestly until like it was like an espn special on ali like back in like in the late 90s i really like i was like oh you did way more than talk then talk shit right you right know? right that's then, what you see yeah but then yeah. you dig in and you're like oh man all the stuff you had to overcome all this that and you know even michael jordan and his business sense you know of how he saves nike how he changed the look of of what a sports entertainer uh he pretty much coined sports entertainment right um you know uh even even cats like uh nelson mandela i was i was really lucky a whole other chapter in my story uh i went to africa for a little bit with my pops um, I went to South Africa and it was just like, this is like, in, I think it was like 98. And I got a chance to actually meet um, Nelson Mandela. What? Yeah, oh. yeah I, got, I got a picture with him and everything. And, oh, that's and dope, yeah, I know. And my, my pops was like, oh, you're going to read about who this man is before you just get introduced to him. He, once again, it's one of, those, one of those names that I heard, but didn't really like put a lot of weight into it until I like started like looking. And so when I got a chance to see it, I was like, oh, Oh, you're the man that had all that resilience while you were while you were in prison. You're the man that that started all of these these movements and ended up becoming you know president of the country that 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 imprisoned you and all this other stuff. And then you get a chance to meet this person, and it put a lot of like perspective that these people, even though he he's on my Mount Rushmore of just leaders in general, you know he's still a man. You know, right. he's still a man that had to overcome a whole lot in order to get where he was coming from. I look at Michael Jordan's problems, his gambling problems, and 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 losing his father, and trying to be the first black man to to do this on a on a marketing scale. You know, I look at Ali and his his conflicts with the with, with the nation, and dealing with the fact that his father was Christian, and and his troubles of dealing with women. Right. <laughs> you know, like like the, the all these great people had this other side of struggle that they had to overcome, and I was able to really attach myself and in and and the life that I lived, and and say, okay, if this person can bounce back from this and achieve this, <laughs> not right. just bounce back, but then like excel on a whole other level, it's like, what are you what are you complaining about? Right. It's possible. Somebody's already done it. That's right. So. What what has been your biggest obstacle in life so far? Like I know we I mean, man, you you talk you said a lot, man. You met Nelson Mandela and got a picture with him, man. I'm mad yeah. I it's too bad this is anonymous, man, because I would definitely put that up on the thing, man. That's something to get some views and set this still on podcast on up. But so what was the biggest obstacle in your life? Uh my my head. Um, so when I was a kid, I had a really bad stuttering partner. Stuttering problem as you can see i still have it um overcoming that and then my fear of being myself was my biggest my biggest issue because i was i was <laughs> 
I was black as hell in the 80s when it was all about, you know, being one of the members of the bars. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I was, it was tough. I was skinny, black. I was small. I had a stuttering problem. Um, you know, books was kind of tough because the words were doing weird things in my head. Right. Uh, so me trying to get over that was probably my biggest obstacle. And then there was this kid. Uh, his name is Corey. I'll just leave it at that. And I met him in high school. And he kind of like changed my life with just his out with his outlook and gave me the confidence that I needed. He planted the seed. And then once that was over, that once that was my biggest obstacle, everything became tremendously easier once I gave myself a chance and had confidence in myself. Mm. Um, the next thing, damn <laughs> no. yeah, right, right. That's, yeah. the, that's the honest answer right there. It was, it, it, it was. Um, and that kind of go bridges into the confidence thing too. You know, one kind of feeds the other. Uh, I was like a social pariah when I was a kid because, like I said, I was funny looking. I couldn't really talk. Um, but then uh, nobody was checking for me. Uh, <laughs> then, God bless Tyree's sweet ass. Beautiful, beautiful dark skin. He made that Coca Cola commercial, bro. And nothing was the same again. Jeez, on the back of that bus. Whoa, 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 Coca Cola, bro. Everybody in school was looking at me like, you, you look like you could be a little Tyrese in your, in your, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what you needed. Shout out to Tyrese. Shout out to Tyrese and Corey, man. Yeah, Tyrese going on Wesley Snipes. Yo, my dark skin brothers was on the map again. Yeah. So yeah, the, that got me some some attention, and because I was I thought of myself as one way, and I finally started getting attention uh, from women. I didn't have the experience and the wisdom to know how to navigate that. That wasn't right. a conversation me and my pops had, you know. Right. And the right. and the and the and the advice that I was getting was coming from cats. You know what the hell they was talking oh, about? Oh man, <laughs> listen, bro, I've been there, brother. Like yeah. you're getting that wrong advice, where you be, yeah, sound, that makes sense. I'll go with that, man. Yeah. Oh, man, what am I doing? This 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 girl's destroyed, man. I ruined her life. This is terrible. Yeah, but, man, <laughs> it's, it's real, brother. Uh, man, I appreciate your vulnerability, man, because you know it's you, you're giving a lot here, man. Like that's because a lot of people don't talk about that rough part in their life. Oh, man, I mean, it's the only way that you can move forward, man. Just be like, yo, it happened. Here's another thing that's kind of fun about getting old. The older you get, the more you be like, yeah, it just happened. That's just what happened. You just keep moving. Yeah, you know? it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the shit you was embarrassed about, like, hey, man, you know, I like, bro, I don't know. If you, I used to wear gold fronts all the time. People just thought I was trying to be cool. I had a cat, and that shit made me self-conscious. I'm like, man, I'm just... How can I get over this without going? I'm gonna just $300? I'll take a pig. Had my friends on. Everybody thought it was because I was trying to be cool. No, I'm just mm -hmm. trying to cover up this gap, dog. This is my insecurity, and we all got them. But I couldn't, I ain't had a heart in the, I wasn't that vulnerable then. I couldn't just put it out there. Now I'm like, I don't care, man. I wear this gap like it ain't nothing. Proud. Yeah. Hey, it's yeah, my hey. ancestral blessing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go, man. Shoot, it's, it's a million dollar smile now. Look at straight hand. Hey, hey, man. that's what I'm saying. Straight hand, or uh, what's the name? Anthony Anderson had one, but he you know got what? his removed. I said, oh, he must have still been working through his issues. Whatever works, uh, though, man. God bless him. But, bro, let's talk about <laughs> vulnerability. Vulnerability right. in a man's space. Like, I don't know about you. Me and my friend, like, I, I had, I'm not going to put his story out there, but he went through some traumatic stuff. And it, we had the conversation, and I seen him shed like two tears. Hmm. And I know I cried ten times more than he did over something that was very emotional for him. And this was when I was younger, so I'm like, bro. And as I get older, I understand. Like I'm trying to figure out, was I here for him in that time? And I feel like I was, mm -hmm. but I feel like he wasn't in a space to be vulnerable and say how he really felt. 
So mm. what has your experience been growing up in in vulnerability and being and come come growing into being a man, but yeah. still growing into understanding that vulnerability is a part of who you are, whether you wanna you wanna take advantage of it or not. Right. You know, whether you wanna be vulnerable or you wanna just hold it all in. What's your experience been with that? I had a I had a friend call me out one time. Um he's, he's, probably one of my closest friends actually um his his father had passed and um he had reached out to me and i didn't know how to process that i didn't know how to talk to him about it and my man was hurt 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 and my response was like one of them canned generic responses that you would hear like you know a politician give or whatever it is you know right. thoughts and prayers this that and third it was like it felt like I was reading it off a of script, and as I'm saying these things, it felt like I was living living off a of script. I, for whatever reason, I couldn't connect with my, with my guy, you know, right. and during one of the most troubling parts of his life, right? And for me, because I was ashamed and embarrassed, I kind of like pushed it to the side and was like, I'd, I'd listen to him for a little bit, and then I would like kind of like change the subject or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was wrong in that moment. I knew in the moment I, I, while I was saying these things, in the moment I was doing, when I got off the phone, it like it kind of like messed with me. And I'm like, why can I not like respond the way like a normal person should be responding during this? And he called me out on like a year or so later, and he was like, Yo, man, I really needed you. You know, you just you sounded distant. And I had to be honest. I was, I think I got something going on with me that I just shut certain things off. And when things sometimes, and when they get a little too too over the top I, I turn into like a version of kind of like my pops and it's like okay i need to find a solution and then get to that solution as quickly as possible not mm-hmm. understanding that there's a lot more that you're gonna have to soak in i understand you're gonna have to be empathetic i understand that you're gonna have to listen you know and, and and allow yourself to to be moved in that space it's not all about finding a solution there's no solution to that right you know there isn't it definitely isn't and it was then when I started like really like, okay, something might be a little off because I was having problems with other relationships as well. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fighter and arguing, throwing stuff around. Cause my pops wasn't like that either. You know, he was like really stern. He's like, let's solve the problem. Right. You know, but solving there, there, there's the journey that has to happen sometimes, especially, especially, you know, when you're dealing, dealing with the fair sex. You know, you're dealing with women. There's, there's, there's a journey that you have to go along with them in order to, to, to get what, like, what's going on, and that's just not in my programming. Right. So, um, it gotten to a point where I thought there was something wrong with me. I'm like, yo, am I like a sociopath enough or something? You know, and it's not that. Obviously, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm very empathetic, but it's just how I process like, like emotion on that. But I'm like, I can't move in this space like this. And it was right around the town time like my son was like maybe like one or two and becoming a father was a whole different story of learning as well and it was a part of me trying to figure out i need to get my shit together if i'm wanting to be a good father and i was like okay i I did something that i didn't even tell anybody i went and saw somebody Mm -hmm. you got to keep in mind like now everybody's talking about you know mental health and you need you need to be aware about it and stand there but just a short time ago short short time ago it really wasn't talked about in this space right right um and i had a friend that told me about it and they admitted it, and it was like oh, i see somebody and it was a person i would never never expect for them right. to they like just try it you know and not, not just try going to one person maybe even try going to somebody else if it, if it doesn't move you i was like all right fine whatever I'm like, oh, sure it covers it why not Sand, yeah, Sand, Sand covers it yeah so why not um 
and it uh it opened my eyes i gave it a chance and it allowed me to at least ask the questions to myself regarding like emotional vulnerability emotional intelligence learning how to to read your partner's face or just your loved ones in general how to address even and forgive my pops because i'm cool with the idea of my father now but it wasn't always that case it wasn't always right. the case i had other stuff i had to get out right um, so i am a huge proponent of of seeing somebody you know check your mental health check your emotional vulnerability and stability you know you there's always room for improvement even if you got it all going on and you think everything is going on it's still good still you know it's like running checks and balances that's know? right that's right like look yeah you go get a physical every year yeah you at least go get talk, talk to somebody once a year to see and make sure you in the right space because it could all it's a slippery slope you be on top of the world and on the bottom of it and the next step yeah, but, uh, that's that's. I'm glad. I'm glad you went through that experience, and I'm glad I went through it. And I think, like, from what I, this is the probably the fourth different podcast. I only did this is the sixth, fifth episode, and out of the, those five, those five, three have touched on mental health. And I think it's something that, and it's something that I'm kind of becoming a proponent of. Like, listen, man, I think people need to go talk to somebody because I, I had the issue where I didn't feel, yeah. and it sounds crazy, <laughs> but like. <laughs> You know, I didn't feel. I wasn't yeah. like, I cut stuff off. Just, wait, wait, man, all right, whatever. And keep it moving. Act like it didn't bother me. And then weeks later, months later, it all it always going to show its face at some point in some yes, kind of way. So anybody yes. that's out there listening, man, just get in touch with yourself. And it's okay to feel those things. Sometimes, well, when I was going to shit, I got to sit in it. Sometimes you got to sit in that pain, whatever it may be that time. Sometimes you got to sit in it. Yeah. Sometimes you definitely got to sit in it. So you mentioned a little earlier about the whole other story of you in the fatherhood. Give <laughs> me that, that experience, brother. <laughs> All right, listen. I, let me start by saying now. Listen, I, I love I love being a father. It is the the ultimate blessing that I've ever received in my entire life. It's it's mind blowing and it's always changing. It's always some new challenge. It's it's tremendous. But it didn't always start that way. Right. All right. So for me, um when I heard the news, I was like, whoa. Oh, mm, I don't know. And how old were you when you got the news? Shoot, I must have been 31, 31, 32. Oh, yes. You was living life out there before that. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> I was I was in Cali at that time, right? And I was in the full Cali space. I was making moves, stuff was happening. I, I mean, I was in my I was in my creative like zone. You know, everything that I wanted to happen in my life was heading in that trajectory right right um and then i got hit with the good news <laughs> yeah good news at the time yeah i was about to i know i know there's some people that was like you know jumping up high-fiving each other when they heard the news that wasn't me man i was like yo this is too, this is gonna mess up everything right everything um the relationship uh that i have with my son's mother was borderline destroyed it was just we were platonic and and friendly but she was cool and forgiving and understanding enough to be like i need you to be a part of his life so i'm gonna give you x amount of space x amount of time for you to get your get your shit together and then we'll we'll readdress what's gonna happen like she was really mature about it <laughs> i was right. all the way immature i'm like mm -hmm. if it, it was to me it was the worst thing that could possibly happen um but then uh I was, I was flying back and forth, seeing him, because he lived in a whole to, totally different state at the time. Um, as I was putting forth the effort, I was making, it, it looked good. 
what I was doing, the effort that I was showing, it looked good, but it still wasn't connecting with me. I was still being an idiot, a dummy, and selfish, and still worried about, you know, seeing the things that I have lost and not seeing what what I am gaining. I couldn't focus on the I couldn't focus on anything but the loss. Uh, so it finally, you know, like you said, like when you push your push your pain away and the issues, you put it far enough away, um, it'll just hit you. And I was cleaning. I was just cleaning the house. Nobody was home. I had a roommate at the time. Uh, nobody was home. I'm sitting there with the broom. And it just, I don't know if it was, I don't, even, I don't think it was a panic attack, but all of it came down. All of it. Of all the stuff that I knew that I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so ashamed. I, I was so ashamed of myself. And I hadn't even thought about myself in that light because I had this fake picture of myself of who I thought I was and with who I thought that person was going and totally rejected the gift. Um, you know, I cried like a baby. I was unconsolable. I'm glad nobody saw it. I'm glad my room wasn't there. Un- unconsolable. Um, and that's when I realized, I was like, okay, I got to make a plan. Because this isn't going to happen. Whether I want it to happen or not, it's not going to happen in the way that I want. Let's, what my friends used to say, the obstacle is the way. Um, so I was like, let me see how this works. And, I, and that's when I actively started being like, I need to be a part of this life. I need to actively be there. Uh, and then... Um, I guess love through proximity. <laughs> um, and then just sitting there and really spending time and looking and seeing my face and his face and everything else. And then it, then it came. It didn't, it wasn't immediate snap kind of thing. It wasn't one of those. I didn't have that bad epiphany moment. But once it locked in on me and I was like, oh, I'm a father to a beautiful son. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. And this is dope. And it's just, it was terrifying. But it, that's when it kind of like clicked. And I was like, all right, this is me. This is who I am. I am this. Right. I'm not that anymore. That can maybe come back at a later time in a different form, but I am this. And then that's when I, did, I started, you know, really growing into becoming a father. And it is not disappointing. It's hard as hell. <laughs> yeah, it ain't easy. Definitely it ain't, ain't easy. It ain't, it ain't easy. Because I think if you want to become a good father, you have to really do some soul searching on yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you're gonna, you to grow. Yeah. Or you to grow. You end up bringing back generational curses if you if you ain't careful. You know, That's old right. habits. Yep. You know, stuff. You'll start redoing the things that you despised in, in, in people that raised you. Because that's all, you know, it's the only playbook you have. So you got to really do some real soul searching. So I, I, my son forced me to just grow as a human being, grow as a man, grow as a mm-hmm. father. That's right. And I think for any father out there, I think what you said is powerful, man. Like it forces you and you don't want to do recreate the the trauma. You know, man, I mean, traumas, just things you didn't like about your childhood and things that didn't have a good impact on. You don't want to bring those back to your children. So I commend you, brother. Like this, it's a beautiful thing. It is no job more rewarding, man. Like no, no job more rewarding. Not close. There's nothing, man. Acts. Like man, I, I took my, my both my kids in college now, man, and it's that's why that's why I had this podcast came along. So I'm like, I got time now. But we, me, first day, me and my wife, we cried like babies because not for just because they was gone, because of what we we broke generational curses. Mm. We literally like neither one of us are college graduates, and we used to, look. We gonna make sure these kids get through college. We gonna make sure my son play a sport in college. Something I always wanted to do, never got the opportunity. Made sure he got it. So. Mm. Man, like any any parent out there that's as a child, man, just sacrifice for him now. So later on, you won't, cause you won't feel it one way or the other. Yeah. Luckily, 
my wife and I's situation, we felt great because we, we had made a lot of sacrifices and it was all worth it. So now it's our time, though, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You earned it, man. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. People are always like, what you doing now? How are how, how you holding up? I'm great, man. It's only one sad day, baby. That first night was rough, but after that, it's been all smooth set. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm telling you, man. I pay attention. I'll be watching you. I'll be like, all right, I'm taking it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, man. It's only much surely, brother. It's only the beginning, man. Look. But look, so would, would you say... Well, matter of fact, I'm just asking you a question. What was the biggest turning point in your life? Like, through everything you've been through, you have lived on multiple coasts in the yeah. South, you know, and we ain't even getting to your entertainment endeavors. Yeah. We ain't yeah. even getting to that. You can give a quick overview of that, but I'm going to just throw out this question and give a quick overview of what, you know, stuff you was into, you know, your experiences in it. All but, right, well, that, that they're kind of, they both coincide the same, right? Um, when did I realize, like, I was like, okay, this might be, this might be the move. All right. So check it in, um, back in like 94, 93, uh, Michael Jordan dropped this tape called come fly with me. It was oh, a VHS yeah, yeah. tape, right? Yeah. I remember this, that. Yeah. You remember that. And there was this show that used to come on Saturday mornings called, uh, inside stuff with like, Amar uh, Rashad, right? Yeah. Yo, they used to have, you know, it was just dope. It was just basketball. You had to keep in mind, like when I, where I lived, like there's some, there's some states that are like football states, like Florida is a football state, Texas is a football state, Tennessee is a football state, but I lived on the Kentucky uh, state line, and Kentucky is a basketball state, right? That's right. Basketball is everything. That's all we did was hoop and and, and ride bikes. Now I'm. This is, a, this is a new version of myself. I'm a lot more confident I've ever been because my homeboy Corey kind of like showing me the way. And hoop was like the love language of just every neighborhood. We, I, live, I lived in a community that had kids all over the place. I mean, everywhere. You could throw a rock and just hit a random kid because it's the military, right? Right. A lot of folks have kids in the military. Yeah, um, so we used to have these things, man, where like my neighborhood would like hoop against this particular neighborhood and it was it was friendly battles it wasn't gang gang and nothing like that but you know it was a healthy rivalry right right and um my my dad had ended up getting a uh, a video camera for the house my pops was just into gadgets if, i, I kind of get that from him as well so he got this video camera and uh, he was like we'll start recording some of our family stuff and it was just sitting there and I didn't really want to ask him because I didn't want to break it and everything, but he finally gave me the green light. So I would take the I would take the camera to, to some of the parks that we play at. I had a little tripod, I set it up, and then we would have like our little runs and little half courts and stuff. Start recording it. So people, after we got done playing, folks was like, yo, we gonna see the tape? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, my mom had a basement uh, where the TV was at and um, uh, everybody would from the park would come down into the basement, you know, and we, we'd get it going. My pops, like I said, he was a bit of a gadget dude, right? So he had this thing. It was a VCR, right? But it had a slow motion button on it, right? Back and, in the day? Yeah, back in the this this is like in ninety this is like in ninety seven. It had a slow motion button on it, right? Yeah. So when when somebody we're watching the tape and everything, and then when somebody get, went and did a move, I would hit the slow motion on them, right? And everything looks better in slow motion. Yeah. You can be hot garbage, but in right. slow motion, you look like you was on you know inside stuff. You look like yeah. you was on come fly with me, right? And then people were going crazy. They was like, yo, this is it. You should make a tape of just the cool slow motion stuff, right? So I was like. All right, let me see if I could do that. All right, so we had I had to borrow one of my friends' VCRs because I knew if I could play on one VCR and the other VCR had the RCA ports, I could record what the other one was playing. Right. Right. So I was like, okay, I think I can figure something out. So I went to the court, but this time I was like the cameraman. Right. 
And uh, this is back when the, the adjustable goals was just really hitting hitting a lick at the time, right? Like nobody, uh, they had these things like these big sand pill block things that held the goals up and had this liver that could move the goals up and down. So we moved the goal down from like 10 feet to about nine feet. Ooh. And I had the camera, Yeah. right? And everybody that could hoop and everybody that had dunk dreams was over there. We was killing this rim and I had it all on tape. Mm -hmm. And I was recorded it, got back home, recorded, had the slow motion button on the old VCR, right? So it was yeah. all high life films. Right. right? And so I told everybody, I was like, let me get some more footage and then everybody can come over and then we can watch it. It became known as the tape and everybody looked like Jordan. Everybody in slow motion. Yeah. People lost their mind. It was, I, I had to make copies of it. It was passing around school. It was, it was dope. And the love that I got from that, A, it wasn't expected. B, it was fun as hell to do, right. you know, and I didn't even realize that I was kind of like good at this, you know, right. so right. I just started making these tapes and people would call me up and I'm like, I started getting in different hoop circles because they're like, yo, that's the dude that records, you know, so that's when it kind of hit me. That's when the bug hit me and I was like, okay, this, this is kind of dope. Mm -hmm. All right. I went to school. I'm trying to make this faster because this is a lot. Um, nah, go with it, brother. Go so, with it. So I went to school um, after I graduated. Uh, I was still dabbling with with uh, film and video and stuff. And my homeboy uh, was like the plug for anything entertainment. Now you gotta keep in mind this is Atlanta, uh, right after the Olympics hit. So Atlanta wasn't like this super inner, super super international city that it is today. It was still a lot smaller. But there was this thing that was like public access cable television stations were still like a big thing, right? And my homeboy used to be like a DJ for Georgia Tech the Georgia Tech Cable uh, net Network. And he used to uh, send in like these tapes and interviews for to the public access channel. He used to take me with him. So we had access to the clubs, stars, performers, all kinds of stuff, backstage passes, stuff. It was dope. And we were also doing like these little like, um, uh, uh, like uh, sketch comedy shows we call like way too much. <laughs> uh, it went, there was no such thing as going viral back then. Cause you know, right. this is back, but it, it went crazy, right? As far as public access. And Georgia Tech called the public access place and was like, who are those guys? You know, we kind of want to um, talk to them for a second. They found us. We had been doing this for like maybe like six months, I'd say. So we get a call from a production company at Georgia Tech. And they're like, yeah, can you do this for, for the school? So we're like, well, you know, does it pay? They're like, yeah, we, we'll definitely pay you. And they're like, what do you know about like producing and stuff? <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> I don't know, this part in, what's this in? They're like, no, we'll teach you. Right. And I was like, they, I don't have to pay for the school or nothing. They're like, no, 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 we'll teach you. We'll put you on and we'll put you on payroll. We'll put you on salary. <laughs> so they pay you. Yeah, they paid me. And you, they teach you. Yeah, and they taught me. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finish the story, brother. Go ahead. Oh, uh, so it was it was dope. So you know, I stayed there for I learned a whole lot about how to like properly kind of like do stuff. Uh and then um, what's it called? Uh, oh my god. Uh, Drumline. The movie Drumline came. Right. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a Hollywood production come. They were calling everybody, you know, doing what was what is known as being a production assistant. And uh, my homeboy that put me on, Jamar, he's been, we've been like, you know, buddy, buddy the whole way. And uh, he was like, I'm gonna go work on this. And he left. He was like, I'm gonna quit. He, he did it for like, he did it for like a week. And then he got so into it. He was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm gonna quit. And I was like, you go ahead, man. The money's here. So not only did he quit, he stayed with the production team and flew back to California with him. Yeah. So he, he's a hustler though. 
Well, it worked awesome. out for him. You, yeah. you know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I was still like, I love the A, man. I wasn't trying to leave, man. I had too yeah. much stuff going on, man. So I stayed for a while, but then I ended up getting sick. Um, I was working at another company, uh, and I realized that I couldn't go back to the old office anymore now that I had all this time off to kind of like think about what I wanted to do. And my man Jamal hit me up and he was like, hey man, just come on out here, man. You got a place to, uh, to kind of like couch surf or whatever it is until you can figure it out. Don't worry, I got you. Mm. So after I after I healed up, I had an appendectomy. Uh, so my appendix burst and I was kind of healing from that. So after that, man, I called my girl and I was like, yo, I'm out. I'm going to Cali. Mm. <laughs> I had, I think I had maybe a little over $500. That's, that's a lot from what I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought I was like, oh, this is going to be plenty. Uh, yeah. So I get out there. My boy, I was like, yo, my man said he got a job for me, so we're going to be good. Uh, so uh, <laughs> my, my first job, my first job. All right, hold on. So the manager Jamal was like, I was like, all right, man, uh, you said you got me for work. He was like, yeah, yeah, it's all good, man. He was like, but you know, you got to keep an open mind. I was like... <laughs> okay. I was like, all right, all right, cool. I was like, does it pay? He was like, yeah, it pays. It's cash. So I was like, all right, bet. So he was like, listen, I'm just going to need you to run errands, you know, hold the cable while the cameras around and this, that, and the third, and you'll be straight. And just pay attention. Uh, so we get there, and we pull up into this <laughs> this apartment complex, and this is, this is in the valley. Um, and uh, we get there, and there's small talk. Everybody's having coffee and everything. And the director was like, all right, well, you know, let's get started. And... People started taking off their clothes. No! Oh, damn! <laughs> My what? guy. All My right. guy. You're right. Come on, it's wide open right now. Yo, I'm looking at Jamal. He was like, listen, man, just chill. I was like, yo, is this a piano? He was like, yeah. He was like, don't trip. You ain't in it. You just, you know, working behind the scenes. I was like, no, this, this was like the second day. All right, because I asked him about work the day I moved in. And the second day, he's like, I got work for you. I'm like, fresh off the boat. Fresh, right. fresh off the boat. And the cast were straight. So I was like, ah. all right. I was like, listen, the camera ain't going to be like swinging my way. Anyways, like, no, man, you ain't the, you ain't the talent. We yeah. just need you to run errands and do this, that, and the third change lenses, all that, all that stuff. So, so yeah, my, my, my first gig, dog, was a, was, a, was a skin flick. And I was like, like, they're doing the thing, man. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Maybe ten feet from the action. Oh, wait a minute! Right, you know, you know how hard it is to like concentrate, <laughs> trying to get the cables right and everything. I can only imagine, man. Like, did you catch wood? That's the question. Did you catch wood at any point that time. Oh, I was like this. I was like, I can't believe, man. I can't believe this is gonna be my. This is gonna be my first Hollywood gig. Are you kidding me? Uh, yo, the only thing that made it even worse is that my man used to. Uh, he used to edit the the flicks too, and he didn't have like headphones and was editing it so. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! At the house after you leave, <laughs> at the crib too, yeah. man. Oh man! Oh man! But he did have he did have some connects. But that was the quickest cash that he can get. And I started doing a lot of music videos. Um, so I I just wanted to be in the space of just production, you know, be a film, be a television, uh, be acting, all of it. I just wanted it all, and I got the boot camps, of boot camps, and, and it was there. Uh, in California, where I was like, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life is just create." This. Right, right. So that was the turning point. That that yeah. really, man, doing them videos, Georgia Tech, man, yeah. like starting <laughs> off. Before, really, no, man, forget that. Them videos when you was a kid and everybody comes to the house. That was it. Yeah, yeah. That 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 was it, man. Because it's something about 
one thing, you know, doing art, doing your art and people dig it, but then people feeling good off of the art that you do. And I didn't even know it was art. It was just a thing that I could do. You know, no, brother, I, that's, that's how art. I saw it. I think that's art. That's repurposed art at the very least. <laughs> like at the very least, it's repurposed. Because I'm like, you, they was doing that. You went that slow motion button changed so much, <laughs> Look, The slow motion I'm, changed everything, dog. Yeah, man. That's, that's a dope story. But I think it's inspiration in that, man. Like, yo, you just was a kid doing what you like. And it bang. It, it, the thing that changed your life came to you just from doing what you like, being a kid, going out there. And man, I, I think it's not enough for that these days because everybody's behind their phones and doing yeah. all that. So a lot of these kids don't get to experience that because I feel very in a very similar way. Like, oh, that's what kind of got me into entertainment. Because I'm like, I'm outside all being wild. And then people start, I got popular. And be, hey, man, Tyrone, da, 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 da. Then before you know it, just, oh, you just run with it. You just keep yeah. going. And now it leads you here. But it's still the same winding journey, brother. Yeah. But, oh, man. Man, it's been a beautiful time. Like, we had an hour already, brother. What? Really? Yeah. We, we, had, we, we had an hour. Yo, I told you I'd go, man. Hey, <laughs> oh, it was a good go. <laughs> man, we just, look, I, I I can't wait to see the description of this show, man. Because we got some porno, some man, Mandela. <laughs> we got everything going on, man. So, I don't know if you, so you get four words to to name your own episode, brother. Like whatever four words you want, you you oh. are, you're the, this, you're the author of this episode name. So you know I'm gonna give you a second, and while you take this time to think, I'm gonna shout out. Yo, if people could donate. Y'all want to donate to this podcast to see it more and to get more episodes. Donate if you don't. Know, it's cool. Just continue to enjoy it and listen. But back to you, brother. What, what will be the name of your episode in four words or less? Um, let's see. Um. And one. No, do you remember the old and one mixtapes? No, that's what I was thinking of, but I didn't right. want to cut you off. I was like, yeah, hey, yeah, I was thinking, that was the first thing that popped up because the, the old school tapes. Um, uh, let's, let's call it and one and Mandela. And one and Mandela. I love that, man. And one and Mandela. No, that's that's a that's a beautiful title right there. If we don't get, man, we should go viral on this episode. Right here. <laughs> How does that correlate? Yeah, I got to click on this. <laughs> hey, man, I can't thank you enough for bringing me on here, man. I just love to just chop it up. Like I said, I, I, I love to talk, man. So you you definitely gave me a platform, man. Thank hey, you brother. so much. Look, man, don't know. Thank you, man. It was man, I, I, in the messed up parties and so much more. That I want to get into, so man, we got look the opportunity for another comeback episode is there because you know we anonymous. You got to change voice a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, throw my Clark Kent shades on, man. We'll be straight. <laughs> but brother, I can't thank you enough, man. You're an inspiration to me. I know you're gonna be an inspiration to these other people out here. Uh, love you. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep raising that child the way I know you're gonna raise him, and yes, and continue to be great, man. Any parting words you got for the people out there? Uh, yeah, man. If you don't, if you don't think you're being bold enough in your life, be bolder. I promise you, you you won't regret it. Be bold, bold. Mm -hmm. Go big. That's, That's right. the only advice I can give. That's right, man. So this is the journey because everybody has a story. We are what we need, and we gotta inspire and be inspired. So thank y'all for listening. Tune in next week, and we out of here. I gotta extend my screen, man. And I end in the whole call view full screen. There we go. Stop.